Ted Jones messed with the wrong melon farmers. Ted Jones, I also call him the eighth wonder of the real estate world. Ted Jones, who knows, you know, it could be... Ted Jones? The Ted Jones World Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ted Jones World Podcast. I am joined alongside, as always, now by my co-host, Pete Moran. Pete, how the heck are you, brother? Dude, I'm hanging in there. I'm... I undersold it. I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Yeah, you know what I was I was gonna say, you know, you you look you look a lot better than just doing okay, man. You got you got some energy today. Yeah, dude. You know what? I'm I'm very excited about today's episode as one um would be, ladies and gentlemen, New York City marijuana dealer, <laughs> William Williams. Willie, how are you, brother? Doing great. So uh William Williams over here, this is not um his actual name. But, um, you know, for, uh, I guess, autonomy's sake, we are going to keep uh, this gentleman's name off the podcast. But, but how you doing, Willie? How's everything over there? Business as usual. Business as usual. So you just came through the pod to the studio um, and dropped off a gorgeous zip, a gorgeous ounce of uh, high-quality marijuana here. And uh, for anyone that's judging, just please don't, you know, just <laughs> because is Pete, Pete's a little bit judging, but he walked in and Willie's looking fresh and you wouldn't even know that this guy just slangs weight. So Willie, when, when we started off, um, how did you get into dealing weed just besides you being from California? Go ahead. Well, like many things, it started in college. <laughs> And so how did so it started in college in terms of what? Like you started selling like dime bags and then no. from that point you were just like move into bigger weights or what? No, typically you'd expect it to start off small, something like that. Uh, my story is a little bit different. Tell us. So I uh, lived across the hall from another Californian. First day of school, he went down to the student mailbox, came back with a nice uh, pretty box, knocked on every door down the dorm hall. Gave, gave out free samples. Wow. Free samples. And, th- and this was freshman year of college? This was freshman year of college. I wasn't even a smoker at that point. Virgin lungs. <laughs> so, yeah. how, so how much was in this pack that he started to sell? He had a nice pound of weed. A, pa- a, a pillow. So a pound of weed. How much, how much did he buy that for? That time, he did not reveal that. Oh, really? <laughs> there, there, there was an air of mystery around him, and that right. only added to the intrigue. So you became tight with this guy, and you just started selling nugget with him, no? No, no, no. Actually, like I said, I wasn't even a smoker at that point in time. I, I actually looked over at my roommate and asked him if he was interested, because that wasn't my cup of tea. So when was this exactly? You said freshman year of college. Freshman year of college, uh, yeah, 2007. Okay. So this was before you weren't, like, nothing was really legal at that point. Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, anywhere, right? Like, this pre-Colorado. Yeah, this is when, uh, this, was, this was pre-Green Rush. Okay. You're playing a premium for flower back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting paid. So how... Um, so let me, let me, uh, let me yeah. zoom forward a yeah, little bit. Yeah, please. So we actually... Uh, you know, we we weren't running in the same circles at that time, but the one thing we overlapped was we were constantly down on the basketball courts. Mm-hmm. Pickup was our thing. Uh, you recognize another baller out there, you give him the respect. Hell yeah! <laughs> so it started on the it started on the court. It was born out of competition, and uh, after some good sessions, you know, he invited me back and said, "Hey, look, uh, you can ball a little bit better than I thought. You smoke." <laughs> And I said, smoke what? And he said, oh, you don't smoke. <laughs> so he said, come on over. I'll introduce you to a good girlfriend of mine. <laughs> oh, Mary Jane. Oh, Classic. The there you go. So this was your freshman year of college, and you had never touched weed before this. No, this was actually Zoom Forward halfway through oh, right, right, right. my sophomore year. A whole year, we weren't even friends. Mm. I saw him once freshman year, knock on the door. It wasn't for me. Forgot about him and moved on. So I, as far as you know, how much did your mentor start selling weed? Like how like how much was he making a year before you hopped in the business? Well, obviously, I found all these details out later on in our friendship. But he was more than doubling his money for every pound that he brought. Uh, he was at uh-huh. least doubling, probably tripling Damn. his income. And do you think he was selling that through like dime bags or how did he how was he tripling his money off of a pound? He undercut the market. He stole the volume. 
and his customers were sticky customers. They kept coming back, razor and blade. They knew his, they knew who he was. He moved off campus. He had, uh, he had his roommate there, and it was, it was business at all hours. Pete, I feel like the moral of the story here, man, is always give out free samples because yeah. it sounds like this guy going around and knocking on all the all the doors in one of his first years of college. This, um, this made people people know his name. No, right off the bat, it's bold too. He's just like, I'm the guy. He showed up. He knew he, he he must have been the guy in high school to show up freshman year like that. Right. Actually, you wouldn't think so. The guy, the guy uh, was a standout football player in Southern California. Whoa! Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Not your typical, not your typical pothead. Wait, and this and he was playing college football at the time. No, uh, standout in high school. All prepared to go play at a major South uh, Southern California college. Uh huh. Ended up not getting the offer there. Decided to hang up the cleats. Travel to New York City and start off his life there. And how is this mentor of yours doing now? Doing fantastic. Back in sunny California, happily married. Uh, we still stay in touch. Yeah. But he's uh, he's back to back to being where he's from. Happy to be home. And he never got caught or got himself in a mess that uh, you know of. He never he never got caught. <laughs> there were many messes along the way, and uh-huh. that's that's partly why. Uh, it's partly why I took over his job for him. Oh, you took over. So long story short, end of the story, uh, he'd been doing this a long time. End of our junior year, he was expecting one of his normal packages. The package never came. He called the post office, and the post office relayed the phone call to the police. Wow. He hung up, and that was that. So they knew. We actually don't know if it was the police. <laughs> They only claim to be the police. So somebody took the package from him and he just disregarded it because he didn't want to get in trouble. Pretty much. For that pound of weed or however much it was. It was well, well more than a pound at that point, but he, he decided it wasn't worth the risk of trying to, to get it back. Right. He just loses customers off, off that? Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so do you have his black book of customers now? Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he went down his list of regular customers. And at the time, I was a customer. Yeah. I was a small fish. I was just buying across the hall from him, and uh, I was a ha- happy guy. So after several people had passed, uh, you know, I said, okay, I've heard the pitch a few times. <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of upside. Yeah. How easy would this be? So from the point when, I guess I'll keep calling him your, your mentor, Willie, uh, so from the point in time when your mentor kind of settled down and stopped selling, how much business did you pick up? Like how much money were you making a week in your heyday or maybe your heyday is now? How much money are you, how much money were or are you making per week on selling this fine nuggetry? <laughs> so uh, I bought his book and uh, I didn't have the, I didn't have the cash as a, Oh, Wait, what you oh, mean you sure. bought his client book? He sold it to you? I bought his client book. <laughs> this is like full mafia shit. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. What did you pay for full, the book? Full, full handoff. Um, so he, he got half of the proceeds um, after he recouped his initial investment. Okay. And after that, we, we ran it out for about six months. Okay. Where uh, he, he could sit back, hands off, and I'd come drop off a you know, paper bag full of cash. Did he like come along and just like smooth the transition or he just text people? It's like my boy's coming. The guys that moved product for him got the word. Uh, not one of them was bold enough to step up and become the leader of this so-called circle. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many dudes do you have underneath you? So he, he had about he had about four guys. OK. And now and now you're the head honcho. That's how it happened. Wait, but how? Sorry, just go back to what uh, my initial question was. How much money were back then you making off of? A week off a week. Okay, so I was so green behind the ear, I had no idea what I was doing. Hmm. I was buying a half an ounce for about $200 at the time. Cool. Yes, prices were high back then. <laughs> so I go from there to listening, to listening to his pitch to take over the business. He told me he had five pounds coming. He told me what he got it for. And he told me exactly who to give it to at what prices and all I had to do is sit back and watch the money roll in. Damn. And you had to, and you split the proceeds with him? Split the pr- split the profits, 50-50 down the middle. Since I was taking on the risk, uh, it only seemed fair. 
And of course, he wanted an exit strategy and a golden parachute, right. which he happily negotiated, and I agreed to. Right. So, what was the what was the actual number that you were seeing coming in in cash? So, I started tripling the the amount of money that he was making before, really? because I broke it down even further. I went big customers all the way down to taking bong hits for five dollars a hit. Oh wow! <laughs> so people would like Economies roll up. Economies of scale, brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, people would work, uh, would roll up. I had a roommate at the time. Uh, he was total homebody, and I was quite the opposite. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a friendly agreement where if he helped me pitch and sling, uh, he got the smoker free. So were you ever concerned about, uh, I guess, getting arrested? And what, what was the scariest story that you, you've been approached with? Uh, when, I was, when I was just picking up the game, you know, it seemed too easy at first. Mm-hmm. I was walking back from class one night, and I was approached by uh, you know, two shady figures, both teenagers that lived in the neighborhood. And this is, this is Arthur Avenue up in the Bronx. Uh, basically, they came up, they hit me you know, on the back of my head. Oh. Uh, they said, you know, you're undercutting the market. You know what you're doing. You're taking money off our plates. Don't do it again. Wow. Pretty much had me on, on the on the brink uh-huh. <laughs> of quitting right there and then, but that is obviously not not what happened. Wait, why didn't you? Were, were you? You were scared, yeah? Well, yeah, I was scared. I was so scared. I didn't want to go back to my apartment, so I went to the bar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here at the bar, it's it's very much a family attitude there, and uh, turns out the owner of that bar was also slinging. <laughs> In fact, he was a well-established figure. Uh, uh, community pillar if you want to say so wait so so now you this this is when you were back in college so correct this 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 is uh in between junior and senior year so you're caught in this it it seems like relatively large marijuana ring so how did you go from being a well-respected college pot dealer to now being a i don't want to i'll say somewhat of a mogul of an nyc pot dealer figure like bro I haven't been able to pick up weed as good as the weed that you have for the price that you have in a very long time. Pete, wow. we'll, we'll, we'll try some of this after the pod, but seriously, Willie Williams over here hooks it up. He's the guy. And uh, I was actually, I was, I was introduced to Willie by one of my friends from college uh, back in the day, and I've been picking up from you for how many years, man? Two and a half, three? I've, I've lost count. Probably three. Now. Yes, but yeah. I've definitely picked up my fair share of products. So <laughs> how do you get the quality nugget man like what where do you does this come in the mail from california from oregon like what describe the shipping process how do you get it to your front door to here in the studio so long long story short is uh it was coming through the mail and i had people who were willing to take the risk to, to catch the package to allow the package to be addressed to them right but it was sent from it was sent from california okay very easy uh one two three steps you know put it in the mail cross your fingers <laughs> that it gets there so sure. let's let's break it down then you buy uh, a pound for how much so at that point my my friend my mentor call him that was the one who had contacts back in california at the growers he did not share that information with me uh because he didn't want me to push him out so we had an arrangement where he would do the speaking and negotiating he would get me the product that i needed and he would do the logistics, but you would you would make a payment to him f- beforehand. No, no, this is this was on consignment. This is trust and love. Biggie <laughs> preaches never put it on consignment. <laughs> uh, he was ultimately right. Uh huh. But no, the my mentor would bring it in. It would land to where it went. I'd simply pick up the black bat phone, send out four or five texts to those guys. Uh, they would then delegate. A few, d- few days later, uh, they, they'd say, we need more. It's all out. Here's all the cash. So with those four or five guys, you were completely hands-off at that point. Give them what they need, and then you're out. Absolutely. They had they had built up such good trust with my mentor at that point. Uh, you know, my mentor is a very flexible guy, and they had it on consignment where they had very little skin in the game. But if they lost it or didn't come up with the full amount, they're not eating from yeah. us again. Yeah. And so that business model, we had people run off before and, you know, make up all sorts of crazy excuses. The dog ate the weed, you know, grandma yeah. found it, smoked it, something crazy. You ever you ever have to get tough with someone? No, that was Good the business. That, that's the business model that uh, we chose not to go down that path. Mm-hmm. You know, being being uh, civilized folks and all, we simply said, oh, well, 
that much money, it can't last for that long. Yeah. And if that's what that person's interested in, it's the last time we see them. An ode to uh, Bronx, Bronx story, Bronx okay. tale. <laughs> Don't go chasing money. Yeah. So you're better off without it. So, Will, you have a, um, if you don't mind me saying, a pretty good career going right now, correct? Like you have make a good amount of money from your job. How much extra are you making per year selling weed right now? If you can give me a kind of a ballpark number, if you give the listeners uh, what they're thinking. So from my heyday, uh, I've scaled back tremendously. Mm-hmm. Actually, there are many stories as to why I did that. Please let us know. Uh, now I supplement my rent. Uh, you know, so I pay about thirty three hundred for a studio. Well, my my friends, my clientele, they cover my rent. <laughs> so you're so you're making about forty forty k a year. Uh, in e- weed, easily in my sleep. Uh, uh, the product, oh my the god, product sells itself, guys. Yes, I consider myself a people person. And yes, I- and if you actually, if you guys ever want any, you guys should just uh, hit us, hit us up at tedjonesworld at gmail dot com, or um, I guess on Instagram, where I'm Pete Moran, and we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you the connect, but we're not going to blow up the, through. we're not, yeah, we're not going to blow up the man spot um, here. But let, let's go back to that original question. You said you. Uh, Came back a little bit, and you know right, you used so, to make way more than what you're making. So I have to give you a little backstory. You guys, yeah, you guys familiar with uh, American Gangster, the Sorry. Denzel Washington Denzel movie? Washington. Do you see that, Pete? Yeah, bits and pieces. Yeah, it's in a, a while. And when he shot the guy in like the in the streets of oh, Harlem, God, God, no, none of that. But I do remember that scene very <laughs> right. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, Are you sure, <laughs> it's not confused with the real memory. <laughs> the, the, the scene, the scene that I wanted to point out was, you know, Denzel at the time. He's paying people off. His, his profits are down. He doesn't own his business. He runs the business, but he doesn't own the business. You know, at that point, he decides he has to go directly to the source. You can go to the source. You can cut out every middleman, set your own prices. Worked out pretty well for him in the movie. And I took it to heart. <laughs> Not so much. So, no, I, I, I went over to California. Um, actually, I had I was living with a roommate. And she told me, uh, you know, I got a friend from California coming in. He's very chill. Make sure we have extra nugget around because he smokes like a fiend. I said, no problem. I love to meet him. Well, I met this guy and he, you know, he took a dump on my weed. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> he, he told me he's from California and I'm like, yeah, me too. And he yeah. goes, yeah, well, this stuff sucks. Oh, wow. What, what are you paying for it? I can do better. And I said, oh. oh, you can, can you? I was like, why is that? And he goes, well, uh, I have my own dispensary. <laughs> and that was that was sort of an embellishment. He worked at a dispensary. <laughs> Let's get it straight. Right. So yeah. at the time, this was uh, I was already working uh, down on Wall Street. Um, I didn't even give my boss a heads up. I told him, "Hey, I need three days off." And he goes, "Yeah, well, I, I need you here." I no, no, no. You don't understand, boss. I'm gone for the next three days. <laughs> I flew to California. I met up with this guy. He lived in Newport Beach, right on the beach. It was fantastic. Took me right to his dispensary. I pulled out the cash. He showed me the stuff. It was better than what I was getting. Right there, right then. Shook his hand. Paid him for one. I said, all right. One pound? One pound of weed. How much was that? So at that time, I was getting ripped off. It was probably around $3,000. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was paying about 3800 for a pound back in New York. Sure. Uh, so, you know, instantly I'm like, all right. More money in my pocket. Yeah. Bigger, bigger piece of the pie. I told him. I'm going to send this stuff. I'm going to go back to New York and I don't want more, but I don't ever want to have to come back out to California to see you again. And he said, (laughs) yeah, I can't understand that. (laughs) So right there, right then, you know, we worked out a system. He would send it within two, three days. I'd send him the cash back. And he would send it to maybe somebody that you'd pay like a hundred dollars to. Bada bing, bada boom. I promised a free eighth or, you know, maybe a quarter, uh, Risk is different in everybody's mind. Some people would even sure. do it for free. And how much money were you making back then? So I turned that three thousand into sixty five hundred. Wow! And how many? And you would do that like twice a month? No, I, I did. I did that in a day. I lined up all the sales. The pound of weed was gone. I hit the numbers. People came over. It was gone. So how many pounds? So how many pounds were you getting a month then? So once a back week. Then. Once a week, I was getting a pound a week. So you're doing like thirteen, fourteen a month. 13, 14 a month. Wait, wait, wait. 13 to 14, what? 1,000? Okay, a month, yeah. Okay. Bro, and, and these are real numbers? These are real numbers, my friend. Jesus. How long do you keep that up? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, probably about uh, six, seven years after that. How and you were still working like a corporate job, yeah? Oh, I was, I was, I was working a corporate job, uh, you know, Bulge, Bulge Bank. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, really, I, I said, yo, okay, I'll start at the bottom here. I like banking. You right. Know, I do my piece. But I was pulling in more money off the streets than I was at my job. So right. it was a little hard to focus when uh, you <laughs> hit rough, rough, rough patches at yeah. the job. Any uh, run-ins with the police? Uh, down the line, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you when you have a job and you can't be in two places at once, you're, you're faced with the hard choice of having to delegate. How do you mean by that? Well, if, if you can't be there, you, someone has to be there on your behalf, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to find the right person who's not going to ask for too much. you got to find the right person who's, uh, you know, keeps their cool. You know, not going to rat you out, not going to open their mouth, you know, things like that. So what kind of delegations were you making? Well, I... I <laughs> I went down to NYU. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, knew some friends who had just graduated there, and basically they said, all right, this is how Bud is distributed at NYU, and these are the prices we have. We like your stuff more. Can you do cheaper? If you can, (laughs) give it to me, and I will sell to my friends. Yeah. And there a friendship was born. So you'd you'd sell it to these lower-level dealers? Like you'd sell them like a couple ounces? To the weed man in every dorm. Across NYU, there was at least one of them who was picking up an ounce, two ounces from me. Wow. Breaking it down to 10 or 20 of their friends. <laughs> God only hopes he was tripling or quadrupling yeah, yeah. his money at that point. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you have to you have to have a presence out there constantly. And, uh, you know, you look at it as they're your foot soldiers. And you got to treat it like a, like a business. If you don't have the discipline, <coughs> one trip up, my friends, and that is the end of your, your venture as a weed so how many people do you think in your career if you can estimate it you've sold weed to like we talking over a thousand so people sure back in college uh i personally handled most transactions and uh, they know my name i know their name and i'm probably friends with every one of them so uh, probably four or five hundred people in college Nah, wow four or five hundred different people and i can recall different conversations with every one of them where uh, i remember why we're friends pete did you uh growing up or i guess a college have like did everyone have a weed guy that they would go to no when i was in my campus was like super dry we we're the number two non-party school in the nation <laughs> i think i remember that <laughs> Pete went to wheaton in illinois i do maybe yeah. remember seeing that in, in in like a college book or something yeah, yeah, yeah. there is there is really nothing out there oh. I, didn't, I didn't smoke in college interesting yeah interesting um so basically you know uh when i scaled up uh you know uh, how did i go from one pound to five pounds to you know x amounts yeah well it wasn't by choice. I moved into the city. I wanted to continue my deal of getting a pound of weed per week. You know, something that I could handle, and I wasn't sinking too much of, you know, too much seed capital into it, so to speak. Well, one week I come come back to my building, and my doorman's like, "You got a box? Uh, it's a lot bigger box." And I'm looking, and it's uh, the box is as tall as I am. <laughs> so I, I take the box up to my apartment, and uh, I tell my roommate, who's yeah, working for me at that point, you know, like, "Open up the box." You open it up, there's there's 15 pounds. Oh, my God. 15 pounds of one, weed? One five, one five. And, and I, I instantly, I get on the bat phone, I dial headquarters. And uh, <laughs> at this point, the ment- mentor is far out of the game. You know, the, uh-huh. uh, the student has passed the sensei. <laughs> so I say, hey, look, I'm not touching any of this right now. What gives? This box isn't meant for me. It's got my name on it. It's got my apartment on it. But I'm not taking responsibility for this box. And the guy goes, well, I'm working with a guy, and he's just not going to cut you one or five at a time. It's not worth his while. Not one pound or five pound. He wants you to grow. Fifteen pounds. I said 3,000 before. Mm, Drop the price 33%. I'm getting the wholesale rate at this point. Uh, He basically says hit up everybody in your phone. Tell them they can take it. You know, pay you up front or, uh, you know, take it on the arm for a little bit more. Wait, for the full 15 for pounds? The full 15 pounds. So, what, 30 on that? Unbelievable. And I looked at it and I said, all right, you know, I don't know if I have the network to move 15 pounds. Uh huh. Well, one of those NYU hungry boys. <laughs> <laughs> I hit him up and I said, hey, 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 you want, you want a half pound? And he goes, actually, I was looking for one. And my buddy's with me. And I'm like, uh, he's not Johnny Law, right? And he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> he, he's just like me. He goes, do you have three? And I go, yeah, do you have the cash? They showed me the cash. Three, three were moved right there in my living room, five minutes. Next day, those kids come back, they take two more. After that, they took five each. 
These get what? Two kids, NYU, moved 15 pounds in about three weeks. What? They came back. My supplier at the time said, see, I told you what I'm doing. <laughs> Send another 15. <laughs> All of a sudden, I go from one to 15. I've lowered my prices, and I have guys who are just like me, who are hungry like me, who started moving weight and uh, making more money than they'd been making ever. So during these, like, I guess two to three months, were you... Did you make like fifty thousand dollars in like two to three months? Uh, <laughs> I, I I probably had about a hundred thousand in twenties and tens mm. uh, in a full suitcase. Oh. Locked, 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 locked this is dude. This is like full mafia American <laughs> yeah, yeah. gangster. And how do you clean it? Would you buy a car wash <laughs> like a, Walter White? So, no, no. So you you guys really want to know? How, yes. Yeah, what do you I'm mean? Gonna, we gonna really want to know. Back. That's right. what I've been waiting on. Right. Well, well uh, without revealing too much. Um, there are ways to move massive amounts of money back and forth without ever using uh, computers. <laughs> Not Venmo, because that's an app, right? Uh, that's considered technology. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm, I'm talking old school. A uh, piece of paper, a ledger, a uh, family who had businesses on this side in New York, uh, they had cash, cash that was clean, uh, all sorts of cash. Uh, there would be somebody on the, on the West Coast back with the supplier. They would have a counterpart there who also had businesses and washed their money. It was clean money. And uh, imagine walking into the back of a Chinese you know, floral shop, and the, uh, the owner takes you to the basement, and he moves some, uh, some boxes around. And literally, there's drywall, breaks yeah. it open, filled with cash. Cash, <laughs> air-vacked inside of you know, plastic bags, but cash on cash on cash. I'm talking cash warehouse, probably a couple million dollars hiding in the wall. Stupid. So... The system, it was unbeknownst to me. Uh, I took the cash here in New York, and, uh, you know, basically, this is how it works, man. I was given half of a $1 bill. So, oh, okay, to wash it. I was given half of a $1 bill because on the other half of the country was the other half of the bill. And basically, <laughs> the bosses had the full serial number. And what you needed to do is the person you dropped the cash off would have the other half of the bill. Wait, wait. How do, how do you mean by that? I'm, I'm confused. Pete, do you know what he's about? Are you saying like to verify that you're the to guy? Ver to verify that I'm the guy and they're the guy. Because when you're standing in Queens and you're, you're holding a uh, you know, shopping bag filled with 100 grand, uh, yeah, you, you, get, you get nerves. You, you look over your shoulder and look jumpy. So, you know, when I was surprised that a 14-year-old girl walked up to me and handed me half a, half a $1 bill, it happened to match up to my other half. I made, uh, a, I made uh, a phone call on, uh, on, on the bat phone. I said, is this the right serial number? And I read it off, start to finish. He goes, yep, walk away. Wow. Basically, this little girl just, you know, turned around, walked down a dark street in, in Queens and uh, disappeared with the cash. Uh, a couple minutes later, they take their 8% out, and uh, my supplier was made whole, given washed money. On the other side of the country. So what happens to Human you? bankers. What happens to you in this point, though? Like, you have, you have $100,000, dirty cash in a bag. How does it become clean? How do you get your cut? Like, how, do, how does that so whole thing work? It seems confusing. So that hundred grand, say, is the hundred grand that I'm on the hook to my supplier for. Yes. So that's the money that they're getting back. Uh, off of that, you know, I'm probably making uh, 10, 20%. Uh, for every hundred grand I bring them, I make 10 or 20 grand. Yeah. And that's my cut. That's uh, tax free. Uncle Sam doesn't know about it, never is going to know about it. And I can do with what I want. Uh, seeing as I worked in banking, uh, <laughs> seeing that I worked in regulation and compliance, I knew how to break up the cash deposits. How'd you, uh, how'd you do it? Anything under 10, sure. But you also have to do it over a long period of time. Right. You can't use the same accounts. Uh, and there was no Venmo back then, so basically you park money in different people's accounts. And uh, you can move it around, but you really didn't want to touch it. I worked in banking, so I kept all my money, like I said, in shoeboxes and uh, you know, nice Toomey suitcases that were locked up in my <laughs> closet. <laughs> so did you just go I mean, did you just go out to dinner and use that cash? Is that how you got rid of it quickly? Uh, I was that guy throwing wads of cash up at uh, Sapphire. And <laughs> and then and then would your friends just like Venmo you or something like that? I, I mean, I, nope. I could see that being nope. a good way. At that point, you got that much cash. We had designated tables at Sapphire on the VIP and uh, we'd be there 
most nights kicking dudes. Bro, that's like kick, full kicking, kicking, drug du- dealer. Kicking dudes out, out of the seats. You know, mid-dance, we tell them, get up and move. <laughs> uh, tur- turns out uh, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, who'll turn, turn a blind eye for a little extra cash. And, uh, you know, strip clubs, I'm not saying Sapphire, but strip clubs, uh, they're flexible with their arrangements. Okay, so you're talking about people turning a blind eye for some cash. I guess what's the craziest, sto- like most unbelievable story, you'd say, in terms of, uh, it looks like you have one, but like the most <laughs> unbelievable story uh, in terms of money talking, bro. Money talking, man. Well, uh, the story brought me back to California. Uh, one year, we all went out to Coachella again. Everybody there was in the game. Uh, I'm talking a lot of East Coasters moved to the West Coast, become full-time hustlers. Uh, you know, guys that don't necessarily have college degrees, guys that don't look cleaned up. You know, these are guys, some of them, who look like, yeah, yeah they'd rob you at gunpoint. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't what we were trying to do. You'd be surprised, uh, you know, what hustlers look like. They could look like anybody. And basically, we went out to Coachella, and uh, the house that we had was the biggest, baddest house. Uh, I'm talking, we've got celebrities left and right. Our house is banging. It's it's bigger, it's badder. I go inside, there's two members of the Jersey Shore cast. <laughs> staying, Which one? Staying at this fucking house. <laughs> and I'm like, what are they doing here? Well, they wanted to be a part of the action. I met the most interesting, colorful group of guys. And uh, basically, it was all people like me. They've been doing a heck of a lot longer. Uh, they were all flexing cash. So we went there. It was a who's who of the drug dealer network of America. <laughs> and uh, at that point, you meet the Russians, you meet the Mexicans, you meet the Peruvians, you meet, you meet a lot more Asians, you meet everybody that's moving weight. And uh, I felt like the smallest fish in the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I got along with just about everybody. So uh, next time I was in Miami, one of those guys ran Miami. Next time I was in the Midwest, boom, Midwest bud. Go over to Detroit, yep, there's a guy. Come back to New York. Oh, yeah. Now I have access to logistics. Now I have access to runners, guys that deliver off of apps, off of text. Uh, all I have to do, I'm now part-time equity owner. Right. So having all this, all the access to like all these people, what do you think, like what were you able to get with this notoriety and still able with this money? And what's it like, man, being a, the, the, the weed man in New York City? Being the weed man, yeah, dude, you, you follow like-minded people. You do fun things. You do whatever the heck you want. And at this point, I gave my two-week notice uh, at my bank. And, uh, you know, they, they said, you know, I beg you to come back. I'll make you an associate. I said, no, I got better things to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, after that, well, I basically started traveling outside of New York. It was pretty automated. Uh, I put my money down. Went into a percentage of the amount of weed. At this point, we're buying hundreds, if not thousands of pounds from our own farms all the way up in the Emerald Triangle, uh, Mendocino, uh, all the way to Southern California. We got indoor grow ops. We got we got grow ops in the ghetto. Uh, like I said, hustlers come from everywhere. We pulled together our product. There were people along the way that were paid to bring in trucking routes, people that managed the trucking stations, way stations, customs. Uh, just let's see, com- com- commercial airline uh, stewardesses <laughs> that filled their suitcases like <laughs> Miami in the 80s would blow but are bringing just packs of weed uh, across country. Uh, most of this stuff you don't even believe, but then somebody's been doing it and living it and is living proof that the concept works. Uh, the risk is just out of, out of control, but if you're doing this, then you fully know what the consequences are. Uh, I put myself in the same boat. I knew if anything bad happens, I'm not talking. I'm doing the time. I'm making a network inside, and it's uh, prison you, you know, for the next X many years. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, you're going to find yourself gone, just like you do on those FX TV shows. You know, uh, it was it's a pretty scary game. Uh, you have to pay attention. The people were too too arrogant, too flashy. Uh, going back to American Gangster, you do not want to be the loudest person in the room because it attracts attention. So from there, basically, you know, we we had guys uh, do stupid stuff, try to sell weed through Instagram. Uh, of course, I get caught up selling to some cops or things like that. Of course. Uh, we had a guy. We didn't know if he was talking or not. And I, you know, I was like, I feel bad for the guy. He's a nice guy. He's had me over. He's fed me. Um, I hope he's all right. And basically, uh, the OG says, hey, look, we got people doing life sentences. We got people in the minimum security doing uh, five to seven. 
they're gonna they're gonna soften this guy up and see if he talks. And I'm like, wow, this is some Godfather gangster <laughs> shit. What does that mean? Soften them up is a prison term. Uh, probably, you know, the guy's walking to the shower. He probably gets beat up by four or five guys, ten times his size, and and they say, don't talk. If you do, uh, next time's a lot worse. Damn. So it's a, it's a pretty gruesome game, but hey, you know, you you can't have people flip on you in this game. You need people who that are loyal, and that's why you have to become a ju- good judge of you know person's person's heart and intentions. Yeah. And uh, basically, right there and then, I said, hey, look, you know, this is a very dangerous game. Uh, what are the laws like? And uh, you know, what drugs can you push uh-huh. and get minimal sentences? And what drugs can you push and you do a life sentence? Yeah. So what does that look like in terms well, of pushing for a minimal minimal sentence? Well, uh, like what e- you're doing, even though even though it was weed, we we carry the, the the lesser of all the sentences. Um, plus, you know, the people who deal with weed too, you need to know your clientele. Uh, they're predictable. Totally. You know, hey, most people smoke weed. They get along with them because they're nice and chill. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> like yours truly Ted, over Ted here. Ted Jones, one of, the, <laughs> one of the coolest cucumbers in New York City, man. Seriously, though. Be, you know so what I mean? Chill. Dude, I can. I honestly can see that because I've seen um, just, I guess, in a number of movies, like you had mentioned some maybe on FX, people who do other drugs besides weed get a little crazy. That's right. Like, you know what I mean? Pete, you know I love my fix yeah. of Nugget over here. But, I mean, if... If, you know, Willie came, said that, you know, he wasn't going to be able to make it today and he had to make it tomorrow, you know, I'd last. I wouldn't need to go pick up a $5 loud pack outside on the corner. Right, right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You're not busting down his door. Yeah. And basically, uh, you know, you look at it and you say, all right, for the amount of work that we do, we make, we make good money. But as weed becomes legal, as people uh, learn how it's grown on mm-hmm. the West Coast and can repeat the process elsewhere... Uh, our margins are going to diminish over time. So are you worried about that? Like, are you on your way out of the well, game, do you I've, feel? I've been well out of the on my way out of the game for a few years now. So do you feel like you just sell to a, a handful of people and make your nut or whatever it is? Favorite people only, Ted. Right. Okay, Favorites good. Favorites only. Good. Uh, basically, a lot of the guys are making good cash with me. You know, these are not guys that, uh, you know, clean-cut guys. Uh, what they have in front of them is what they see, and if they have a lot of cash, they want everybody to see that. Chains, cars, uh, flashy, expensive, troublesome girlfriends, all of the above. Uh, basically, they said, you know what? Weed takes up a lot of space. It takes a long time to grow. What about powder? What about pills? Well, that's where you're dealing with a clientele that resorts to violence when yeah. they don't get things that they want. Totally. So from... From going to Coachella and meeting the all-stars of the drug dealers of America, you know, you find guys that are willing to sell just about anything. Um, You want to stay clear of those guys. Uh, They're going to mix you in. You can't account for who they're going to introduce you to. Uh, All it takes is for someone to see your face once, and then you're you're, you're guilty by association. Now, um, also question, um, what do you say, like, what would you say the percentage of weed dealers just deal weed? Because I know that, like, if, go ahead. 10%. Really? One out of ten guys. So that's like you. You only deal I'm, weed, correct? I'm the one out of ten, nine out of ten, they want more money. But that just feels like that that just feels like that's the safest way to do it. What well, is, but you know, if you uh, I kind of grew up with money, so uh, the idea of money is not something that overwhelms me. I like to have it, I know how to make it, but for people that never had it before, mm-hmm. it can lead to an ultimately Fatal. You just want fast yes. money. Fast money. Fast money. Hey, the higher the pedestal, the greater the fall. Get too close to the sun. We all know the story of Icarus. Yeah. It doesn't work out for those folks. Uh, long story short, all the people I came up with sort of in the same class moved on to moving other things. Uh, stolen cars, forged documents, uh, anything that you need, they can go get. If there's wow. money in it, they're down. Uh, I cut myself off from that group. I learned everything I needed to learn, and basically I took with me people who had contacts uh, that could grow. I made them my own. Uh, I financed the entire operation. It drastically downsized the amount of weight that I was moving. Uh, I was helping move maybe 500, 600 pounds of weed. I was putting $200 on each pound, and I wasn't even facilitating the deals. You know, I had people coming to me. They take it. They break it down. And for no work, essentially, and I was making $200 a pound. Wow. Do you have anyone uh, who you work close with who's locked up right now who's uh, serving you know, yep. a significant sentence? Absolutely. I had a friend of mine that uh, he, he moved all of his bud 
um, by going to Grateful Dead shows, Fish shows, uh, any of those music festivals where you get a lot of like-minded folks. Uh, he'd take his, I guess, little camper, show up, and through his friends, they'd be able to move massive amounts of drugs uh, over the course of festival. And it eventually caught up to him. Uh, not sure how it happened, but one day I went up to his house in Connecticut, in the beautiful town of Greenwich. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and his parents basically said, yeah, he's not home. He's not going to be. Uh, he didn't say anything, but he got caught up. He caught a case, and I said, oh, shit. And they said, yeah, three, four years from now, um, he'll be out. Oh, man. When was this? It, it was, uh, this was like four or five years ago. He actually got out after two years of good behavior. Thing was, is our arrangement at that time changed. And for his silence, uh, I wiped out the debt for what he lost on the arm. I think it's a pretty fair arrangement. <coughs> Haven't had to worry about him since. That was the closest call. Wow. How, how much was that debt? He took 15 pounds, uh, uh-huh. three, 45 grand. Yeah. Yeah, 45 grand, uh, take a hit like that. Um, obviously, my supplier doesn't care about the excuse. That 45 grand came from a shoebox that was in my closet. But at the yeah. same time, if you, you're saying you took the hit, like, I mean, what, what was his other option? I mean, he wasn't going to flip. He flipped, you know, he, he flips maybe on me, flips. To say, he had no idea where I was getting it. But if he flipped on me, the heat come my direction. Um, yeah, the buck there would stop with me. I take responsibility there because I can't flip on the guy that supplied me. If I do that, uh, there's going to be a toe tag around my fucking toe. <laughs> <laughs> that is if they find the rest of my body. Right. <laughs> so you're, I mean, I mean, you are, what is your, in? what is your involvement in the game now? Like, what would you consider yourself? Referrals. Okay. There were still plenty of guys willing to take 50, 100 grand cash, fly into San Francisco, rent a car, drive up to the Emerald Triangle. They try to sit down and meet locals. Uh, dumbest idea ever. <laughs> uh, but us- usually it used to work. You meet one guy who says, yeah, you know, I grow weed for a living. It might be total garbage. Um, but basically they go up there, and if it was good stuff, they'd, they'd do the deal. They'd send it back through the mail. Uh, by the time they landed, uh, they did what I did. They'd pick up their bat phone, make some calls, and uh, the shit would disappear. And so people did that for a long time. So right now I have a network of growers. Um, I consider them, you know, close family friends at this point. Uh, when you're not growing weed, you know, uh, those people basically lived a step above poverty. You know, they don't al- always have running water. They, they go off of generators. They're not on the grid because you zap too much power off the grid. You get noticed uh, for going over the, the legal limit of number of plants that you can grow. Um, they are right out in the open, but, you know, it's an ecosystem in Northern California where the entire area is supported by weed growers. They don't consider themselves to be breaking the law. In fact, most of them uh, couldn't care couldn't care what else is going on in the world if uh, <laughs> you know they haven't been there before. So, you know, I, I went to the site. I spent my time over the years when I was really moving late, uh, living on these farms, help growing it, seeing where they got the water, seeing where they got the power, um, how to keep people out, you know, how to pay the payroll of people who come there just to trim weed Jeez. in summer. Um, all these things, it is an ecosystem. Um, for me, I'm the type of person I have to see things to believe it. And once I see it from one end and see what the finishing product is, uh, I can manage the process very, very well. So basically, I had an understanding. I had people out there that were indebted to me. Um, They're doing well you know, nowadays. But I'd say, hey, look, I have a good friend who wants to spend about $100,000. Do you have enough product for him? You don't have to worry about anything. Just make sure that they don't get jacked. Uh, they get to the airport safely, and, you know, they'll bring you the cash. You give them the product. That's the end of your involvement. Off of that, I get a commission. That's nice. So I let other guys do all the legwork now. I make a warm introduction, no cold introductions. And from that, uh, you know, my friends over on the West Coast, they hold the money for me. They don't do banking. They don't have bank accounts. So the next time I'm out there, uh, I go see them. I drive up, you know. I probably have right now about fifty grand waiting for me. Uh, they're not going to spend it. <laughs> it's it, it's it's that kind of close bond. You know, I've been there when they were broke. Um, they obviously know that you know I'm making more money on my end. But the thing is, you, you get to know exactly how many people are involved from seed to table. Uh, that's how you price your final product here in New York. You know, you need to make enough to where you cover all their costs and then you hit your target, you know, margin goal. And so, 
you know, Ted, that's why you get the family discount there. Hell uh, yeah. No one else in the city is getting those. Hell yeah. So, what, uh, I mean, are, do you enjoy what you're doing, man? I mean, the way you're sounding, and Pete, you tell me if I'm wrong. The way you're making all of this describe, the way you're describing all this, man, it sounds a little stressful. But I know that you're able to put on the face where you can get all this shit done. I mean, so, would you recommend this lifestyle? It's No, I, I would not recommend it. It is not for the faint of heart. Uh-huh. Um, I have no idea why I'm drawn to people who make a living this way. Uh, but I'm a very easygoing guy, and I don't like to judge people for how they make their living. If people aren't getting hurt, I don't have an objection to it. Right. And having met these people um, along the way, they are they are just that. They are other people. And they need to eat, and they deserve to have the power on. They need, deserve to have a little bit of fun after months and months of hard work. Um, you know, in order to get to know them, you know, I, I stand pat on my prices and my marketing over here. Um, I used to tell people, hey, look, you know, I got a product that's organically grown, uh, hand-tested. You know, I know the people who trim every nug in a batch. I can guarantee um, that it has been altered with. And the thing is, is, you know, when you tell people all that detail and the story of where it comes, they get a little more generous opening up their wallet to you. Right. And also, those are the type of people that understand, you know, the message that you're trying to share. And they understand that there are people out there making this product, you know, uh, for them, that those are the types of people you want to have as repeat customers. You don't want to have a one-off person that you meet out at the bar drinking who likes to smoke weed, but you don't know anything else about them. Yeah. So my biggest rule is I, I, I didn't sell to people that I didn't know. And if they wanted to do that, I'd have to give it to one of my guys who would then delegate. And it, I would be insulated a few steps away from that sale. Um, you're talking about selling, I guess, one off. Did you ever sell to like a celebrity one time? That was like a weird sell. Rihanna. Really? <laughs> Rihanna. A track. Uh, <laughs> a lot of guys at Fool's Gold back in the day. Uh, I had a homie who did, uh, I think he was working at Kith and before that. I mean, he's really into fashion and whatnot. And when you're in those fields, everyone likes to blaze up. Yeah. yeah. And when you're in those fields, you hang out with people that are in music because they like to look fresh, look nice. Yeah, well, so I started going on the music scene. I started meeting guys who would bring in the Rihannas, you know, or the big rap stars. And, you know, they were doing a session. They want to smoke. And they don't want to smoke an ounce. They don't want to smoke. Two, three ounces. They said, bring a pound, man. Doesn't matter what. What are you charging? You charge, Damn. You're charging $4,500. we will pay you 5000 and you get to smoke with us. So, wait. If you get over here in Brooklyn. Okay. Right but somebody, so they, the person who's buying uh, a pound for like their squad. Think, like, of, think of Turtle and Entourage. Yeah. I'm meeting the turtles of, <laughs> of different celebrities' entourages. And that guy, Turtle, is a fun guy to smoke weed with. Yeah. Wait, let, let me let me ask you this. Do you, do like from a dating perspective, do people take objection to your lifestyle? Do you keep it a secret for a while? Good like questions. does so, that come up? Uh so here's the funny thing is, you know, I I don't necessarily like it when people are like, Yeah, that guy's a hustler. If you yeah. know me from college, that's a that's a brand that is really hard to shake off. But that's probably how I met them was they were picking up bud and so they think that's my life story. Uh, that is a very small chapter in my in my life story. So uh, I've spent a whole lot of effort rebranding myself, uh, distancing myself from people who know me like that, where it could trip up that, hey, yeah, this is the weed man. Yeah. Uh, it's taken years to repair that reputation and start afresh uh, because I don't want to be in the game for that long. The reason I was doing it was meeting people. And uh, meeting people is what I love most in life. And uh, then probably eating and then smoking. <laughs> So what, what, um, you know, before we wrap this up, what is the, what's like the three year plan, man, in, in making so much money to be able to, you know, pay rent and support yourself on so many other levels. What, what's next for you? What's, well, what's the plan going forward? Uh, there, there's no Pablo Escobar future <laughs> for me. So to scale up the amount of success I had in the game, uh, it'd be very difficult. You have to be all in for that. Um, and when you're all in, uh, you have to become a master of your universe. So you have to be willing to deal with all the consequences and you have to be willing to do what you need to do to protect yourself. I will, uh, I'll, I won't go into that any further, but there are situations where, you know, we're going to go check out a guy's farm that we don't know. You know, he will try to buy out his crop because we've used up all of ours. 
We don't know if he's going to pull a pistol and try to rob us. He may be under the assumption that we're coming there with the cash. We never had cash. You just don't know with people. When you're off in uh, the Northern California hills, you can't call 911. You could scream, and no one is going to hear you for miles. You have to take that into consideration, and you have to know that some people are darker than others. Uh, they'll kill you for your money. Wow. So I would not recommend this lifestyle, uh, nor anybody give them an attempt, because most of the people that I brought in, uh, they jumped out. They're either terrified or it just wasn't meant for them. Uh, so what do I do? Three-year plan. Uh, all the people that I met, a lot of them like me, my age, they've transitioned fully out of the game. They saved up enough money. They own their own businesses. They're entrepreneurs. Uh, those are the circles I like to run with now. doesn't matter, you know, how we made our money or, you know, how we practice the skills that make us successful. Uh, what matters is uh, finding people like us and working together for the future. And I want to build a business that I can scale up, sit back, and just watch the money roll in. So unlike maybe, I mean, just from what I've seen on TV and in movies, of course, but there's a way out of the, of the weed business. Got to leave the money on the table. It's the only way to get out of the game. How do you mean? How do you, mean? you know, you tell somebody, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And what they're going to tell you is, all right, well, you'll get a cheaper rate. You'll make more money. But does that change your mind? I want to say eight out of ten people, they take the bigger, better deal. They want to make more. They stay in it, and they can't get away. Uh, those are typically people that didn't grow up with money. They don't have better options. They think that this is something that they're great at, pretty easy to do. Uh, why not stick with it? That was never me. You know, I came in. I saw what they did. I found it all to be very interesting. But at the end of the day, uh, their earnings are capped. It, it, it's linear growth. Uh, I'm more interested in exponential growth. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. The guy, it's it's a business. It really is. William Williams here, just giving us giving us the juice. Pete, you got any? You got anything else for William here, man? No, my stomach is full. I feel satisfied. You know what I'm saying? This was a terrific episode. William Williams, thank you so much, man, for coming through Ted, the Pete, Ted pleasure. Jones World Podcast with Pete Moran. And um, I hope you guys learned a whole bunch of stuff. Don't start selling weed, but if you want to smoke weed. Um, hit us up over here on the podcast. Rate, comment, subscribe. Uh, let us know what you guys are thinking. Will, Willie, my man, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Correct? Correct. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Goodbye. Ted Jones messed with the wrong melon farmers. Ted Jones, I also call him the eighth wonder of the real estate world. Ted Jones. Who knows? You know, it could be. Ted Jones? The Ted Jones World Podcast.